0: Today, I'm going to talk about the Lord and about testing and about what that might look like scripturally, how we can know that it's actually happening, that he does test us. I'm going to use some Old Testament scriptures and some New Testament scriptures and then um, just give you some thoughts about how do I operate in this paradigm of this God that loves me allowing me to be tested. So in our church, I don't know everybody's life in any great level of intimacy, you know, some I do. As a matter of fact, I thought when Teresa was speaking, one of the times she had the microphone, whether you realize it or not, the Lord was preaching through you to you Um, because I do know your life pretty intimately. But I'm familiar with some folks, and there are a lot of people that are being pretty substantially tested right now in in the circumstances of their lives. So I I hope this is um, uh, a useful message in that context. I won't say 100%, but through my study and my prayer and my preparation for this, um, if you were to say, when God tests us, what is that that's getting tested? I think it boils down to one thing, faith. And the scriptures are actually explicit in some places to say that he'll say that he's testing other things, but those other things, if you continue to whittle them back, whittle them back, whittle them back or boil them down, come down to faith. So faith then in this context, remember we talked about saving faith, right? That there's this thing called saving faith, Romans 8, that's made up of the Lordship of Christ confessed over your life and your trusting in Christ as the full payment for your sin debt to God. He's absolutely all you need that that, That's faith, is those things. Faith in this context is not separate from that, but here's how I would define it, and and it connects back to that as well. Faith is what you believe, right? I I have faith in this. I have faith that if I step off this platform, where there is no platform, I'm going to go in this direction and not that direction because I trust the law of gravity is true. I have faith that that's going to be the case. Faith is what you believe, What you believe drives how you behave and then sincere faith leads to faithfulness. So if you're, if you're to draw kind of like this continuous circle, I I trust in God and his goodness and that he's restored and redeemed my life unto him. Therefore I live my way in such a way to be pleasing to him, which is faithfulness to his Lordship. So the thing that's tested is faith, the outcome of the testing of our faith should be faithfulness, an increase in faithfulness. That was the end. I moved it to the front so that you can listen to the rest in the context of faith being tested ultimately under faithfulness. And then the perfect picture of faithfulness is Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, she's not bothering me, Joe. Okay. Just so you know, I love preaching to Quincy All right, so let's start in the Old Testament, and we'll look at some testing kind of scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, we find this. this, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, you shall follow the Lord, your God and fear him. And you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him and cling to him. So God is telling us through the scriptures. If somebody comes to you and says, Hey, listen, there's another God and I can demonstrate this other God to you be because I can do a miracle that couldn't happen any way, but by a God, what the, the true God is saying is I've given him to do that to test you to see whether you're going to wander away from me based upon a sign or a wonder. If you're going to hold fast to me as the confessed God over your life, in this case, Israel, who said you shall be our God and we shall be your prince, your, your people, he's testing them. And, and then the, the question is, what here, specifically, what is he testing? The depth of their love, right? He says... The Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So the test that might come in this particular way is to test the depth of your love of God. And then he describes how you would recognize love in this context, and it's perfectly consistent with the way Jesus describes if you love him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you don't keep my commands, you don't love me. See, love expressed towards God is always always expressed by obedience if you say that you love god but you have no interest in obeying him then you might think that this emotional thing that you have is love for him but he doesn't receive love that way he receives love through obedience we see it in john chapter 14 in the new testament we see it i think in first john and you see it right here in uh, deuteronomy so how is love seen follow him fear him keep his commandments, listen to his voice, listen being obey, serve him and cling to him. You can take all of those things and see that they reflect faithfulness. He's testing their faith to see if they love him. The outcome of loving him looks like faithfulness. Let's look at the next one, Exodus twenty twenty. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So this test that Moses is warning Israel about is to see if the fear of God is actually present in them. And and if the fear of God is present in them, this reverent fear of God, then they won't sin. Sin is the ultimate example of. Of unfaithfulness. So the perspective is from the other angle, but it's the same thing. He's saying that if you fear God, then you'll be devoted to Him and you will not sin because you'll do what He says. Faithfulness manifested by your love. You're being tested. So He looks at it from the other direction in this scripture, and He says that He's testing you to see if you fear Him, and if if you sin, then that's how you'll know you failed the test. And sin is literally unfaithfulness. Do you see the connection? Okay, good. Let's um, go on to Deuteronomy 8 and uh, verse 2. I'm, I'm going to need a squeegee pretty soon. I'm, I'm talking with a lot of um, humidity up here. Deuteronomy 8, 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So the test is to see into your heart what you're looking for in the heart is whether or not you are obedient to him, right? So he's, hum- he's humbling you in this test. Why? To reveal your heart. Are you obedient in your heart or not obedient? Obedience, again, equals faithfulness. Ultimately, the, the, the victory, the, the A plus on the test is that faithfulness has been demonstrated in the test. Genesis uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 12. This is kind of a long one, but you'll be familiar with this story. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, matter of fact, let me just back up a minute, because some of you might not be familiar with this particular story. Abraham is the person that God chose to bring forth a nation that God would use to show the whole rest of the world that he truly was God. And that if people would um, repent from their idolatrous gods and come and give themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the the people of Israel, that then they could be blessed as Israel would be blessed. That was kind of God's big plan. Abraham was the guy that was going to happen. And this nation was to come through his son, but his wife was barren. She couldn't have any children. But God said, your wife will have a child and she's older than dirt and he's older than dirt. Like there's no chance that any babies are coming from these two except God said that he would. And he did the child of the promise is Isaac. And from Isaac was to come this great nation that would be numbered more than the stars in the sky. So that's kind of the backstory to this story. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took in his hand the fire and the knife Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And if you were to continue on in the story, a type of Jesus shows up where God actually does prepare and, and, and give to them an animal that can be offered just like Jesus was made ready to be the offering for your sin and for mine. So Abraham was tested, and he was tested in, in a way that just made no sense at all because this promise that God had made, he had another son, Ishmael, right? But that Ishmael conception wasn't of God's Doing. It was a fleshly doing. He was not going to be the child of the promise. The nation was never going to come through Ishmael. As a matter of fact, a whole nother nation came through Ishmael. And here he finally has this promised miracle son, Isaac, and God's saying, offer him up to me. It didn't make any sense at all. But Abraham was tested and he passed the test. And, and God said, now I know that you fear me. And in this context, I think the, the fear of the Lord is, can be connected to devotion. And, and when Jesus said, interestingly, that if your devotion, this is paraphrase if your devotion to me, Jesus speaking, you know, Pat Brady, if your devotion to me does not make your devotion uh, to your wife and your children, the most dear things in your life look like hate, you can't be my disciple. And here God is asking the same thing of Isaac, the most dear thing in his life, or of Abraham, the most dear thing in his life is Isaac. And he's he's saying, you will offer him as a sacrifice to me, a burnt offering, no less. And Abraham demonstrated his devotion to God by doing what he was set. He told him to do. He offered his son right to the point where God said, I don't want that offering. I'll provide something else for you. What I was doing was testing you. Devotion, in this case, can be connected to faithfulness. Am I your God? Will you serve me? Yes, then give me your son. Yes, Lord. Faithfulness again. What was tested bore out faithfulness. Okay, in, in the New Testament, we'll start with the one that you probably would jump to in your own minds, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith... This is the explicit scripture I mentioned to you. What's being tested? Your faith. The testing of your face produces... In, of your face. <laughs> ah, I feel the face test. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What was tested? Faith. Remember, faith equals what you believe which drives how you behave. Faith equals what you believe, which then results in how you behave. People get this scripture, and they get mad at this scripture because the trial isn't fun. Where's the joy in the trial? The joy is never necessarily in the trial. The joy is always in what the trial is producing. So you endure the trial because you know that the trial is producing something in you, and and ultimately everything that the trial produces in you is Christ. It's the likeness of Christ. It's the, it's the thoughts of Christ, the mind of Christ, the behavior, the, the total surrender of Christ to the Father. All that stuff is bringing that in us. So when somebody says, consider it all joy, and you're like, yeah, shut up with joy, it's because you're focusing on the trial. And you've got to get your mind off the trial and your mind on what the trial is producing. Amen? Okay. All right, uh, next we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Again, remembering that God is allowing us or ordaining us to be tested. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Man, if you wanted to take a scripture in an hour of your life Read that scripture, ponder, read that scripture, ponder, and let the Lord speak to you. There is so much in that little scripture right there, two verses. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes upon you because God is going to test you. Don't be surprised by it. It's the process that he's using. Fiery ordeal is interesting because we're being refined in this process of sanctification, and the refining process that they typically would use would be smelting uh, a metal taking a, a gold or a silver and, and subjecting it to these high, high temperatures so that all the impurities will rise to the top. When, when uh, uh, I guess he's a smelter, a refiner. I mean, he smelt really bad from the fire. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, the guy whose job it is is to make gold pure. He puts the gold in the little thing, the crucible. Thank you. <laughs> In the thing, and then he puts the fire under it, and the gold gets hotter and hotter, and then it starts to melt, and as it gets hotter and hotter, the junk starts to rise to the top, the impurities. And then he scrapes off the impurities, and he looks at the gold, and the way that he knows when the gold has reached the right, you know, like it's very, very, very pure, is the reflection he sees is perfect of himself, right? So when you're in this fiery ordeal, what's happening is the Lord has got you in the thing, And he's allowing the fire to test you, and he's sanctifying you as he's stripping away all the impurities. And he knows the job is done when he sees Jesus in the reflection. When he looks at you, you get to look like Jesus because you're robed in his righteousness. But there's there's a reflection of Jesus that's our lives, not the imputed righteousness of Christ that God is working in all of us right now. but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Another connecting of rejoicing and suffering. Why? Not because it's, it's fun to suffer, but because God is using it to bring about Christ in us. So that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. What that's saying there is, when he comes, our, our blessed hope, it's one of the cardinal doctrines of the Assemblies of God Church, is that, is that Jesus is coming back for his church. And when he is revealed in glory, when he comes back the way he left, that we will have been such that we will be exalted in the day that he is brought back in his glory. That's what that's talking about there. Okay, continuing in 1 Peter backwards a little bit, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away observed or excuse me, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith, what you believe for a self excuse me, now I need a water. Faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Revealed in the last time is the same thing that previous scripture was saying, thank you. It's the same thing. When Jesus comes, you're going to be revealed at, at the same time in the same way. In this you greatly rejoice, Rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that, why all that? So that the proof of your faith, that which has been tested, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when he comes back, that you would be exalted. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The outcome of your faith ultimately in this context is that you will be exalted on that day when he comes back in his glory. The outcome of your faith on a day-to-day basis is faithfulness. You can have faith, but if you have a faith that doesn't result in faithfulness, then your faith is questionable. And that's all these things, why it's tested, why it's tested. Not maybe so much that God could see it, but so that we can see it. Second Corinthians talks about test yourself to see if you are in the faith, right? Okay. Um, I had a note from one of my commentaries. The suffer, these sufferings are God's will for His people, so that their faith might be, pure, eh, might be purified and shown to be genuine. And then my note is the genuineness of faith. How genuine is my faith is demonstrated in faithfulness. Okay. If you wrestle with it, doesn't make sense. There's got to be a better way. That God somehow must be able to do this in a way that doesn't require me to have to go in the thing and feel the fire. In Hebrews, Jesus was perfected, it said. I don't have this scripture just in my head. was perfected through suffering. It was the right process for the Son of God come to earth without any sin in his life to be perfected through suffering. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. The prophet speaking as God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what God is trying to tell, infinite God is trying to tell finite man, listen, you need to humble yourselves before my process before my ways. You need to humble yourself in the fear of the Lord because you don't have the mental capacity to be able to totally acknowledge what I'm doing. Therefore, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. We must humble ourselves by faith, recognizing that he is greater than we are and that his perspective is eternal. Our perspective is sometimes, I mean, I won't speak for you, but for me, it's, it's not much past lunch sometimes, right? And I can see how this doesn't feel good, and I can't see goodness in this whole thing, but I see only from a temporal perspective. And I have to pull myself back and say, I trust you, Lord, because you see from an eternal perspective. I, I've, I told you this the other day, but I'm starting to study a little bit about heaven so that I have a better understanding of heaven, because I really have a shallow understanding. But ultimately, eternity is a new heaven and a new earth. And in some of the scriptures, you'll see like in the parables where he says, oh, well done, good and faithful slave. You've been faithful with a little. I will make you lord or master or mayor or governor over many cities. That that the preparation that happens in the testing now isn't just to develop today's character, but for eternal's purposes for God because our lives are eternal we were conceived by God in his mind before there was time or space at whatever time he chose we were created we were knit together in, a, in some mother's womb by his hand and he ordained some amount of days for us to spend in this portion of our life which never ends eternity is for every single human being the issue is where are you are going to spend it, right? So all of this, we have to humble ourselves before his process because we have to recognize that his abilities are so much grander than ours and his perspective is so much broader than ours that at some point the scripture says, and on that day you will know as you are known, that we'll be able to look and we'll say, thank you God that you didn't do it the way I wanted you to. Okay. Then ultimately... Romans 8:28 reads this way and we know that God calls, causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So there's there's a there's a less than everybody community that that verse is speaking to. All things don't work for good to every single person. All things work to good to those that are Loving God, and we talked about loving God, right? Love towards God is reflected in obedience towards God, in faithfulness, right? And those that are called according to his purpose. So if that's us, then we can trust, no matter what the trial, no matter what the tribulation, no matter what the test, no matter how many times we've had to go through that same test, that God is using that to bring about good for us. Again, the ultimate good for us is Christ. If there's any part of me that I want that doesn't look like Jesus, I'm mistaken in my desire. Because the ultimate goal of sanctification, the ultimate goal of all of this right now is that we would be salty salt, that we would be like Jesus. His faithfulness to his father was absolute. I don't do anything. I don't see the father doing. If he's not showing me to do it, I don't do it. I speak what I hear him saying. What he has taught me, these things I say. He is the goal. And, and the closer we get, as we're refined, and he can look into me, he can look at me, my life, my thoughts, my heart, my being, and see himself. And, and the scriptures say we are being transformed from glory to glory into the likeness of Christ. We look in a mirror dimly, but later we see more clearly. The more we're transformed into the likeness of Christ, Despite the trials, despite the the pain and the heat of the temptations and the tribulations, the glory and the joy associated with that are unspeakable. They're just beyond. (laughs) Just let me summarize a little bit. I'm almost done. Be careful that the enemy doesn't get into our heads and get us to connect testing, trials, tribulation with punishment. If you're born again, if the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, then all of the punishment... Now, I'm not saying that there might not be some issues of sowing and reaping. Okay, I got a little peanut gallery over here. (laughs) The point is, the minute you start to associate your tribulation with punishment, you've taken yourself in your mind from a right understanding of your relationship with God. If you want to see your punishment, watch the passion of the Christ. If you want to see the punishment for your sin, look to the Lord Jesus, because that's where it's at. All of it is there. This is only the loving God using the best mechanisms to bring about Christ from all of his children. Testing has purpose. The purpose is both temporal and eternal. Jesus is the picture of faithfulness, and he is the goal of all testing and trial. Testing is perfecting in us character, endurance, maturity, and faithfulness so if I if I were to ask you are you being tested and you would respond yes my response to you would be rejoice because God is working you out and him in to your being you don't rejoice in the trial unless you want to I mean I think they call that masochism but I don't know but you rejoice in what's happening through the trial If you're being tested, what should you do? Cast your cares on the Lord. That is a perfect response to faithfulness because he said to do it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. When you think, oh, you know, I just got to grip my way through this thing. No, he wants to carry that burden. Cast it on him. Give it to him. The tricky part is leaving it there. That is a faithful response to testing and trials. I give it to you, Lord. I trust that the trials that I experience with, that you're under control, that you're going to make it to work out for good, and that you're going to bring about glory to yourself and to your son in this thing. I give this to Jesus. You let me know what my part of the process is and leave it there. Another proper response to testing and trials is endurance. Some of it, you just got to endure it. You just got to endure it. He's not going to take it away until the process is done. People talk about how many times you got to go around that mountain, how many times you got to go around that mountain, because it's a process that's working out Christ in us. Sometimes the way that you get through it is you endure it. And sometimes if you can't endure it, then you go to Galatians, and it says, bear one another's burdens thereby, what, fulfilling the law of Christ, right, which is love, that when the body comes together and carries the body, when the burden is too much. And then the final thing that I would say to you, if you're being tested, is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust that he's good. Trust that his every intention of his heart for you is for your good. If you can't see the good in it, trust that it's there. Because he is good. Anytime I have trouble with God's goodness, the immediate thought comes to my mind is the cross. And I think to myself, who does that for me that's not good? I mean, who would do that? Rejoice. Cast your cares. Endure and trust. I'll leave you with one scripture more and then I will pray for you a scripture. Romans chapter five, verses three through five. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. There's that theme again. We exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And now I pray this over you, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. if you have a lack of joy and peace in your life, go look for hope. Because hope is the soil that breeds joy and peace. And if you know that God is good, no matter what the trial is, your hope is in what he's doing. Because he's good, it's good. And then you can rest in knowing that. Amen? Amen. One more prayer. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I can't, I mean... Oh, God, I pray if anybody is um, indifferent towards your word, that you would help them. Help them, please, to see the, the glory, the joy, the strength, the healing, the everything that's in your word. And that if we will read your word, if we will eat your flesh and drink your blood, Lord Jesus, and allow your word to get inside of us and then allow your word to get out through us, our lives are so blessed. So I pray that we are a people hungry and passionate for your word and that the blessing of being obedient to your word will be that marriages will be strong and healthy, that, that children will grow up to know the Lord and serve him and that we will be salty salt, not salt that's lost its flavor. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you all.